Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the B-Roll Podcast. We are the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. I am your morally gray, cybernetic organism, Chris. And I'm I'm Anthony. (laughs) 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 Do you want to do that one again, or do you want to keep it? No, that's good. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. Oh, man. (laughs) On the B-Roll Podcast... As the sci-fi wise guys, what we do is watch a, a straight-to-stream sci-fi or sci-fi adjacent movie that uh, that includes fantasy, supernatural, and any sort of vin- visual entertainment media, be it a fan film, short film. As long as it's straight-to-stream, we'll probably watch it and then review it. Anthony? Yes, Chris. Or what whatever watch? you are. <laughs> we watched the Netflix original Outside the Wire. Mm, outside the wire pretty new just came out january 15th 2021 starring anthony mackie who we've we've watched a movie of his before yes 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 and damson idris who i've never heard of before i've also never heard of him and then everyone's favorite supporting actor (laughs) michael kelly (laughs) i think there's a few other people in there but debatable no yeah no there are definitely a few other people in there Yes. Michael Kelly, yes. not Michael Kelly. Who was the Pilu Aspec? I'm guessing Johan Philip Aspec. I recognize him as Euron Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. Hmm. I wouldn't. I forgot Michael Kelly. Uh, I didn't know his name. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've seen this guy in something, and sure enough, I looked him you've, up. You've seen him in a lot of things. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> you've seen him all over the place. <laughs> Michael Kelly is. Uh... He's been around. I think most people in our demographic would recognize him as a Doug Stamper from House of Cards. Mm, but he's been, seen. he was in season two of Jack Ryan more recently. He's played in Black Mirror, a bunch of television, mm-hmm. several episodes, one episode, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, he was in this movie. He was in Man of Steel, The Adjustment Bureau, mm-hmm. yeah, Law Abiding Citizen. Talk about an intense movie. <laughs> He was in Unbreakable, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, so it's just he's been around for a minute. Yeah, I've never seen any episodes of House of Cards. Mm. And I don't know if I can do that now. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen any since that whole thing went down. So I never finished it. I probably yeah, should. Fair I, it's If you can stomach <laughs> certain, actors. certain actors, then I highly recommend it. And if you can't, then I do not blame you in yeah. the slightest. Yeah, and while we're calling out actors in this movie uh emily beecham i think is our female yes. lead i i wouldn't call her a female lead her being a woman has almost nothing to do with her role well in the film I, that's true i guess what i meant by that is she's the only well not the she's only, only the she's the only female in the top build yeah cast yes yeah in the, so, in the but, four uh, or five names we just mentioned she's the only there yeah, are a probably. few other female characters but she's definitely the most prominent yeah she was in hail caesar a mm. cohen brothers joint okay And a couple other things. She is going to be playing one of the protagonists that's not a dog in the 2021 Cruella. They're making a Cruella movie? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm assuming she's one of the protagonists because her character's Anita. And if I remember right, Anita Darling was um, one of the... Did she like own the dogs? Yeah. So Uh, uh, She's been already done a live action of this film, right? Like, so... Well, I think Emma what they're Stone doing... is playing Corella Deville. Yeah, what is well, happening? What... I'm sorry. This is completely this. We've gone down a, uh, 
How can you have a Corla Deville that's not Glenn Close? I don't understand. Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing. But I think it's supposed to be kind of like Maleficent, where we're telling a story from the villains, the quote unquote villains. Sure, I didn't watch that either. I don't, so, you know, I, I might have on a plane. So, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. But, okay. but yeah, that, that rounds out our yeah big list of actors. Yeah. I, I was excited to see Anthony McKay back, or Anthony Mackey, whichever one. Mackey. However it's pronounced. But uh, no, I was happy to see him back because I, I do believe he's somewhat flat as an actor. I think I've made that clear in other movies that we've watched, but I still enjoy seeing him on screen. Like, sure. I think he's Everyone a lot loves of fun. Hawkeye. Yeah, so yeah. Everyone loves Captain America. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so outside the wire. I got a blurb for you. I was going to say I was going to read the IMDb blurb. Oh, well, I guess you can do that. That can be your thing this time. In the near future, a drone pilot sent into a war zone finds himself paired with a top secret android officer on a mission to stop a nuclear attack. Man, I didn't. Your, your cadence there was very Shatner-esque. <laughs> A drone pilot <laughs> sent into a war zone. Yeah. <laughs> There's something on the wing. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you oh, have the Netflix no. blurb or is it the same? Heck no. I don't pull up Netflix. Fair no, enough. I don't have the Netflix blurb. How'd you watch it then? I don't watch it on my computer. It still shows it on your phone. I don't watch it on my phone. I don't have, I don't even know if I can, I'm not going to quickly log into Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Oh. This is why I do the IMDb blurb. <sighs> well, how do you look it up on IMDb? Huh? I, I'm, oh, it's on the I'm website. I'm not logging in. I don't oh, have okay. to log into IMDb. Okay, okay, okay. It's the exact same. This blurb. is the exact same blur. Yeah, did you just waste blurb. all of our time? <laughs> I did. did you waste our listeners' time? You're, I guess you I did say you were morally ambiguous. So. Outside the Wire is a 2021 American science fiction film directed by Mikhail Hafstrom. It stars Anthony Mackie, who also produced, as an android officer who works with a drone pilot. Damson Idris to stop a global catastrophe. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Cool. As this was a movie that I technically picked. You did technically pick it. I'm going to give you the floor, my friend, and uh, give me your initial thoughts and opinions on this movie. This this movie. Yeah. So I did watch it. Uh, it's pretty good. Did you want more? If that is your initial thought and opinion, <laughs> do you have anything else? It's a pretty generic action movie. Anything that's interesting or unique about it ends up being less unique and less interesting by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think the setup is better than the payoff, but it's definitely still worth watching if you want a quick, I say quick, it's 115 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's a very brisk 115 minutes. It, uh, it moves along at a very, very brisk pace. But if you're looking for some popcorn for a popcorn action movie, this is a really good choice. Okay, I got you. Yeah. And we'll talk more about the ending and whatnot when we get to it. I'm just going to talk about the facts for a second, if you don't mind. Outside the Wire. I literally cannot stop you. Is an hour and 55 minutes on IMDb. It's currently sitting at 5.4 out of 10 for ratings out of 19,810 yeah. users. With a median of five, Rotten Tomatoes. Has this thing sitting at 38% rotten, 72 critical ratings. An audience score is 65%. As you'd expect to see with this type of generic action war yeah. movie. Metacritic, 45%. And 62% of Google users liked this movie. I have a small huh. little fact to, to bring up. When I'm on the Wikipedia page for Outside the Wire, the director's yes. name was already purple for me. 
Oh, okay. Mikhail, or I'm guessing it's Mikhail or Michael Hafstrom. Sorry, buddy. And the only thing that I believe that I have seen of this guy's is Escape Plan. Fantastic movie. Have you ever seen Escape Plan? I I think we watched it together. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty sure we we went Uh, to the theater and we saw that movie together. Sly Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Caviezel. Have you seen the sequel? No, there's a sequel? What? There's like two sequels now. Schwarzenegger did not (laughs) grace us with his presence the second time Mm, around. Okay. But there are two sequels. And I'm fairly certain, if I recall, I've not seen the third one. Yeah, 50 Cent and Batista. Mm. No, 50 Cent was in the first one as well. But Dave Batista shows up in the second right. one. Nice. Fair enough. Y- sure. There's a, I mean, if you think that there's a giant secret prison underneath Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. You weren't supposed to know that. Oh, that's uh, sorry. I just spoiled the movie <laughs> Escape Plan 2. Hades. No, I mean, there actually is. Oh, well, Stallone has let everyone know <laughs> in his straight-to-DVD movie. This... So I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, Outside the Wire, I found it interesting. This is another one of those near-future, mil-spec science fiction. Very much like Spectral. Yeah, I was going to say Spectral, uh, a little bit of Code 8, definitely some Blancamp vibes. Blancamp, however, I'm sorry, Neil. I always mispronounce your name because I... I'm not from South Africa. It's definitely got that vibe where we've got these drones called Gumps that are robotic soldiers. Did they right. have um, an explanation for why they're called Gumps? I don't catch it if they did. Okay. Generic, universal, military. They're not generic. No, generic. I'm generic. sorry. Generic. Generic, yeah, sorry. Yeah, generic. Are you looking that up somewhere? No, no, I'm just guessing based on its... Oh. I, I don't know How if that's an initialization. use, machine... Yeah. Like military platform pew, pew, soldiers. Pew, because like they that. go pew, pew, pew with their yeah. big guns. <laughs> it's got some political messaging. Yeah. It doesn't really get heavy handed until the end. Like there's a little bit of... So uh, Anthony Mackie plays a character named Captain Leo. D- Damson Idris plays Lieutenant Harp. Harp yeah. is a drone pilot. Yeah. Who And at the beginning of the movie, we get a little bit of kind of like... We, we start to question not even necessarily morality, but what's right and what's wrong. What's the right move? What's the wrong move? Uh, we can talk about why he gets sent here uh, here in just a minute. But like right at the moment when they reach the orphanage, I, I literally thought this was just going to be some generic action movie. And then all of a sudden the political messaging starts and I'm like, okay, you know, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. And then as we get closer and closer to the finish line, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my goodness. This yeah, is... it ramps up. It ramps yeah, up. It, it kind of turns. So we're going to start spoiling things. And three, it does turn the whole. Two, one. Go ahead. Oh, were you counting me down? Yeah, you're fine. You got yeah, Sorry. <laughs> it, it does turn the whole. Humanity creates an AI. AI turns on us because we're the source of problems. So it's going to kill us. It does, does have a, a good twist on that, I felt. Because he's not trying to kill us because we're evil. He's trying to kill us to prove that he is evil. Or he's an extension of our evil. Yeah. He's very, he's internalized that uh, that anger, that, uh, I don't know, that disdain. Yeah. And not even necessarily like evil, as you would have a big bad evil guy or whatever, or like a, an associatable force of evil. Like, I think he says at the end, like, I am the world's first autonomous cybernetic soldier. And I'm going to prove that you can't, like, humanity can't keep building people like me. 
because right. you know right yeah he's trying to prove that you, yeah. you shouldn't build machines of war like him yeah so i mean the, the weapon of mass destruction is a weapon of mass destruction no matter how it plays out i feel like <laughs> this is like this is going to sound maybe a little out of character uh, for me but i feel like it could have been more political and it would have been better sure on the flip side i feel like it could have been less political and it could have been better i think they try to hit some sort of balance between the political messaging and the generic action movie. And they didn't quite get it. It almost feels like two different movies. Mm-hmm. One after another. Like a, you can, There's a definite part one, part two. Yeah. When you're watching this film. No, I can see that. Yeah. And I feel like if they had just done a better... They, I don't know how they would have done it. Um, don't make movies. <laughs> but <laughs> if they'd found a way to uh-huh. kind of blur the lines between the two of them. We, we definitely see... So, I mean, we should preface it by saying, like, uh, as Americans who live in the United States of America, we only ever usually get to see one side of any conflict. Typically, yeah. Whether that's, you know, state-sponsored propaganda or just history lessons as we've been taught, you know, growing just up. I, I, still I, state. <laughs> well, no. Still propaganda, but sure, yeah. Yeah, but, but like, the difference is, is, like, I guess the difference would be, like, broadcasting something on the news as opposed to, as I was growing up as a child— learning about u.s history out of a history book like there were so many other things i didn't know until i got older right right so at the beginning of this movie lieutenant harp is a drone pilot casually eating out of a bag of gummy wares gummy wares gummy bears what a baller he's flying his little drone around and there's a marine platoon I don't know the proper terminology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, in this film, of... the Marines call each other soldier a whole lot, which I'm pretty sure they don't do. So yeah, platoon uh, works. Yeah, sure. Uh, a, a group of United States Marines fighters. I don't know. Marines. They're just yeah. Marines. Yeah, well, I, I still couldn't decide if it was platoon or squad or whatever. It doesn't matter. They are engaged in a firefight with a member or a, a, a several members of what appear to be insurgents. As the uh, what the U.S. military has decided to call this particular group of soldiers fighting against them, who are uh, apparently they want to take over the Ukraine, or they want to, I believe, what they want to do at the beginning is essentially just make the Ukraine part of Russia again, right? That's what I think. That's what they're they're trying to do. They're trying to destabilize sure. the Ukrainian government. Yeah, yeah. They say Eastern Europe. They, I think they eventually call it Ukraine. But it feels like at some point in creating this film, they decided not to use the word Ukraine and then either <laughs> backed out of that decision or didn't scrub yeah. all references to it. I don't know. Because it felt, at the beginning, I was like, this is really ambiguous. I mean, they're in Eastern Europe. Obviously, it's Ukraine, but they didn't say it for a very long time. Are, we, are you sure we Which, were in Budapest? <laughs> I don't know, who knows where they filmed it? I have no idea. <laughs> but, the, but I think that just leads credence to Lynn's. Lends credence. What did I say? I don't know. No, no. But I think that just lends credence to the fact that they they weren't on point with their messaging. They weren't sure about everything. Yeah. At some point, it feels like this is supposed to be a fantasy, and you can't have it be some sort of hard hitting, politically in- inspired message, and then have it take place in a make believe land. Yeah. So I think that's a misstep. I think they could have just said Ukraine at the beginning of the movie or whatever country they're trying to trying uh, to have it be in. I do want to take a moment to appreciate that it wasn't a Middle Eastern country and it wasn't mm. a Far East country yeah, <laughs> or somewhere in the Horn of Africa. It's still, the Eastern Europe is still, I think most people consider it not Western as far as culture goes, but it's close enough to where it, uh, 
or it just doesn't feel like the same old thing over and over again. Sure, yeah. Well, you and I have a mutual friend who once said out loud to me, made up a stand when he was talking about, uh, (laughs) I think he was talking about a Call of Duty game. And, oh, yeah, uh, made up a and stand. he was like, and he was like, yeah, 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 man, it takes place in made up a stand. And I was like, I'm stealing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take that for my own. Yeah. So uh, Lieutenant Harp is a drone pilot and he makes a judgment call, even though he directly disobeys an order from a superior officer firing a missile against what what is suspected to be a launcher. They keep just calling it a launcher. I don't know if it's going to I don't know if that's like a, a term for a vehicle that. Uh, launches some sort of ordnance, I'm guessing. Yeah, it looked like some sort of armored van that was going to shoot rockets or missiles or whatever. Sure. He kills two Marines, but he saves the remaining 38. Instead of being court-martialed, what happens is is he is sent to a place called Camp Nathaniel. So his punishment is being sent to the front lines to learn some perspective, I guess. I don't know if this is a good time or not, but I have so many problems. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have a list of grievances <laughs> that I totally wrote down. <laughs> I don't think you did. For, for one, for one, he's a lieutenant and they they ask him where he went to like boot. Lieutenants officers don't go to boot camp. And then when he answers the question, he, he lists a marine base instead of the Air Force base. But you know it's the future. Who knows? Is he not a Marine? No, he's an Air Force lieutenant. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So he does say Paris Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Which is not. But, like, you know, take the movie does take place in the year 2036. Who knows what happens in the next decade and a half? Yeah. You know, Texas secedes. we got to move all of the bases out somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm about to get real upset. <laughs> Do officers really not go to any kind of boot camp? Well, they, they, go, to, they go to officer training school. Whatever. They don't go to boot camp. Not like, not in the same way. Not at really? all. Really? Hmm. Yeah, no. No, that's, I didn't know that. Yeah, just that's a whole other rant. <laughs> this and is then, a movie. It's totally a movie. So it's totally a movie. It's all fine. But truth is, yeah. everyone's <laughs> upset with him. I don't. What I don't understand, where I have a disconnect with Lieutenant Hart as a character, is he makes a judgment call, thinking, "Oh, I'm going to save these Marines, even though it's going to kill these other two. Like he makes that decision, but it's not his decision to make. He disobeys direct orders to make that decision when it's not his it's just not his place to make that decision if that makes sense like he doesn't yeah no i get what you're saying totally yeah he he doesn't pull the trigger on those on the on the drone missiles because he feels like it right like he gets permission he gets confirmation and then he does it so he's not just disobeying a direct order he's he's the chain of command he's breaking all these regulations i i don't understand the the motivation behind that like the the personality that goes behind making that type of unilateral decision. We've talked a lot about characters who make unilateral decisions in, in other movies that we've watched or TV shows yeah. for everybody. I'm just going to make this decision. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. And with his, in his case, it ends up killing two Marines. I don't know you, you said, and Captain Leo later affirms whether or not he actually believes it or not that, Oh, you, you made that decision but it was the right call and you did save those 38 lives because that was a launcher what have you. And even if it, even though it it was, it's not a guarantee that he actually saved lives. Sure. Right. He doesn't have to feel guilty about if he hadn't shot the missile, like if he had just listened to orders or shot it late and more people died because of it, that's not on him. 
right? Yeah. But what is on him is that two Marines died that may not have to had to have died. Yeah. No, I, I got you. just a huge disconnect with his character and his motivation and and I don't know what he's doing or why he's doing it. I, I guess I still don't like looking back and maybe that's why I wanted to stop and talk about it now. Did he ever say what his motivation was? Was he literally just thinking that he knew what was best and then doing it? Well, he's very dispassionate, especially at the beginning of the movie. I think there's a parallel there. I don't know if it was a design decision or it was a choice made by the actors, but at the beginning, both Leo and Harp don't seem to be really cooed by their emotions, if that makes sense. Mm. Like he, so he's a psychopath. Probably. I mean, he's he blows that he blows it up or whatever, and then he gets out of a shipping container and then just stands outside, doesn't like have any sort of emotional reaction even after he does it. After the the person sitting next to him, Bale, says, you disobeyed a direct order, he just calmly gets up and walks outside and leans against the room he was in. Yep. And at his court-martial, they're like, they're like, you know, why'd you do it? And he's like, I saved two, he's like, I saved 38 Marines. I think he's just, I have a weird theory, but I'll get to that theory here in just a minute. But no, he's just, he's just very methodical and I don't even want to say scientific, but like, what, what's a utilitarian in his approach? Very cold. he... He did make the the judgment that the lives of the many outweigh the lives of the, or the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I killed two sure. Marines. I saved 38, right? Now, we're not talking about how he killed whoever was driving the van. We're not talking about how he killed whoever was yeah. in the back of the van. We're not talking about the collateral damage that might have happened to the quote unquote insurgents on the roof. The so, general infrastructure, what have you. Yeah. yeah. Who's who knows how many people he killed saving thirty eight, but that's not that's not the point for now. I think that that's probably beyond what the movie Right. Well that's just Well, that's it's me. not beyond what the movie you try to get at, yeah. but it would be beyond what he's yeah he's thinking about or even his superiors are thinking about. Right. But yeah, it's just very very dispassionate. It's very interesting. <laughs> I have like a weird theory that he is also an android super soldier. <laughs> okay. You think so? Well, not well, not like an android super soldier. He's just an android because he like I, there's some gaps in his story. Like when Leo is like, "Man, tell me about your girl," and he's like, "Nah, man, I'm not cheating on her. Nah, man, she won't cheat on me." Like it, it seemed very much like a, if you ever watch Blade Runner and they're they're giving that the Turing test or whatever it's called. Yeah. And then um, Deckard like says, "No, nah, these were memories that were implanted into your head. Like they're all the same." And so I, I don't know. That's just my crazy conspiracy theory for this particular. Yeah, movie. I don't feel that that's fine. Accurate, but uh, sure, <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode of the B roll podcast. Yeah, we wouldn't be the sci fi wise guys if you didn't make up some sort of crazy. Everyone's a lizard, <laughs> or in this case, an android uh, uh. theory. <laughs> so essentially, he gets assigned to Captain Leo, who pretty much manipulates everything from the beginning of the. Of, of their time together he hands him his deployment drive which is a crazy little usb stick which i assume has his orders and all of his yeah, mos information on it yeah. and he just instead of plugging it into a computer he just sets it down on a little cabinet and i thought that was interesting throws it into a little like tray that's on that cabinet doesn't even yeah. care he knows who he is yeah it's not well it, it also lends credence if i if i can steal your term to him manipulating because i assume what happens is you plug that thing in and it confirms that the transfer is complete right and i would he, imagine so so yeah. he never confirms that he ever showed up on the record books the other marines saw him there uh the guy in charge of the camp colonel eckert i think yeah yeah colonel eckert. colonel yeah colonel eckert played by uh 
Michael Kelly. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I saw him there. And then the suits are like, well, it never it, it was never confirmed that he ever arrived, you know, kind of thing. Or that he reported, actually reported to yeah to Captain Leo. Yeah. Can we talk about how great Michael Kelly I and mean, Colonel Eckhart is in that scene when Harp first shows up? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I was just, this this is fantastic. Yeah. It's just, it, you, well, I, you don't talk unless I ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> it keep, has to remind him of that more than, like, he just got sent out here for disobeying a direct order and his immediate response once he gets there is to disobey orders. Guy's not smart. Well... You know, I well, I think even later on in the movie, Harp's like, yo, you manipulated me. You specifically requested someone who has a, a history of gross insubordination. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I liked Harp. I thought he was okay. I think he got better as the movie went. He definitely picks up some steam as a character. He gained some additional dimensions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he goes from, like I said, this dispassionate psychopath to... Someone who like smiles, cries, feels pain, loss, like he he transforms, uh, and and I think to a lesser extent Leo does. D- did you anticipate him playing every side? No, mm. not every side. Okay, he was playing a side, okay, but not playing everyone against each other. Mm. It wasn't a huge surprise. I just didn't expect it. Yeah, same. At some point, he talks about the what does he say? The paradox of command. Yes. As an android, he is required to answer to a human unless that human exhibits, I think, a a behavioral pattern of unstable or unethical or unreasonable responses or behavior, whatever it is. The whole bit is also that he outranks this human. So it's a paradox where he's a captain, Harp's a lieutenant, so he outranks him, but he has to have a human, I guess, handler. Yeah. So it's a weird, it's a weird situation. But yeah, no, the like the scenes where he's standing there or he's sitting in the car and like he's we're flashing back to like every single moment where Leo, you know, takes advantage or manipulates or what have you. Every single moment he's like, man, we shouldn't buy these illegal weapons. And then Leo just looks at him and then he smiles and that's confirmation that it's okay, which adds another fuel onto the or another log onto the fire of this guy being an absolute psycho, according to Captain Leo. Well, I think it even goes back to the initial when he when he first reveals that he's an android, which I thought he was revealing he was a cyborg of some kind, like he'd been in an accident or something. It took me a bit to be like, oh, he's actually just a robot. <laughs> My bad, because it only it doesn't show his like it doesn't show like his head. Like it shows his torso and his arms, I guess, are the only things we really see as being mm-hmm. cybernetic, at least at first. But he even uses the fact that he trusts him even though he's an android, as being evidence of his inability to lead or what have you. So he's manipulating it from, you're right, like from the the very, very beginning. Well, he says cybernetic later on in the movie. He says cybernetic, like soldier or whatever. So he actually uses the term cyborg. No, I thought that... Um, mm. No, he says it. He says it at the end. Hold on. Right. No, 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 no. Cybernetics is a transdisciplinary approach for exploring regulatory and pur- pur- purposive systems, their structures, constraints, and possibilities. It has nothing to do with... Uh, so a cyborg mm. is, in the traditional science fiction sense, is you know part human, part machine. But cybernetics doesn't necessarily have a biological component. Okay. Cool. I, I believe. T-I-L. And if there is, this movie's saying there isn't. So <laughs> I'll accept that. I'll accept <laughs> if I'm that wrong, the movie's also wrong, and I'm still justified. <laughs> uh, 
our main plot is that a terrorist, quote unquote terrorist, a man named Viktor Koval, I guess former Russian military intelligence, whatever, is trying to gain control of a group of nuclear missile silos that were left over from the Cold War. They were never decommissioned, uh, even though Russia said that they did. I don't know why they would lie. And uh, Same so, reason. Never mind. Never mind. Never <laughs> um, uh, cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's trying to get the missile codes, which apparently are held in a bank. We get to a bank vault. He gets the nuclear missile or the nuclear launch codes. But as he arrives to Koval, Koval, I guess, wanted him to get them for himself. And then this is when the, the four-way betrayal happens. So he betrays Koval. He betrays the U.S. government. He betrays Sophia, the British woman living in the Ukraine that operates an orphanage. <laughs> the resistance. The resistance <laughs> yeah, yeah, the resistance, yeah. Uh, and then he betrays Harp. Right. Some would say that he betrayed Harp way more than just yeah. the once. Mere yes. minutes before the scene happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overall, I think you're right. I think this is another one of those movies where I don't necessarily think it would have been better as a as a limited series. But I do think this is two movies or two stories that just kind of exist in the same movie almost successfully. Yeah. Because I think the this story is or not this particular story, but I think the the political messaging is solid. We get a lot sure. of when he's sitting there, like when they're driving by in this, I don't know where they are in the Ukraine, but we saw these people like huddled. They turn over a truck to get some, like they're desperate for supplies. They're so desperate for supplies that they kill Marines. To well, get I think it's comes out that they didn't kill the Marines, but they're taking the equipment from that truck. When the U.S. military shows up, that's what we assume. Right. Well, that's what they say. Yeah. 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 And so, but these people are so desperate that they're willing to kill Marines in order to get food. Right. He's like, oh, so you've never seen your handiwork up close or something to that effect. Uh, uh, To harp the drone pilot. Yeah. Yeah. And and then um, when they're at the orphanage, Sophia, she's like, these kids weren't orphans (laughs) their whole lives. You know, your drone strikes made them orphans. Because I think even earlier when Leo is like, I I don't want to even say interviewing, but when he's questioning harp. He's like, how were you as a drone pilot? And I think he says he was 99% accurate. Or yeah, some, some high number. He also says efficiency. that he has 56,000 flight hours, which I think is impossible. <laughs> Someone do the math, but if he's a first lieutenant, been in for three years, take away the training time it takes to become a drone pilot. I somehow 56, doubt that he got to 56,000 yeah. miles or 56,000 hours. I don't even think there's 56,000 hours in a year, is there? 24 times 365. Hmm. How many? 8,700 and something. <laughs> no, this is not even close. <laughs> <laughs> so so do me a favor. Uh, do 56,000 hours yeah. divided by 24. 2,333 days repeating. Divide that by 365. Yeah. He would have had to have been in the Air Force for 6.4 years. And that's with no days off. And that's with working. <laughs> so really double that because that's been working 24 hours a day for six yeah. and a half years. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's flying two drones at once. Who knows? He's just so good. He can kill <laughs> twice as many Marines that way. <laughs> God dang. God dang. Uh, no, I, um, no, I think the political messaging is on point. Like it's definitely because there's also a moment later when Sophia's like, 
when it's revealed that Leo's plan is to launch four nuclear missiles against the United States, I guess to destroy New York City, Washington, D.C., probably Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and then, I don't know. Wherever, yeah. Like, um, throw a couple at New York. Miami? I don't know. Did I not say New York? You, I know, but I'm saying, like, more than one. It could oh, have been yeah, all yeah. four of them in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, millions of people are going to die. And then she says, well, it's not collateral when it's Americans, is it? And that's that's what I'm saying. Like, that's when the political messaging starts hitting you in the head like a hammer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like they could have sprinkled a little bit of that in earlier. A little earlier. Yeah. You know, like, when he's at his court-martial and they're like, I saved 38 Marines. And they say, well, you killed two of them. Not to mention all these civilians. Because I, I think he even says... I think he says my his collateral damage is within like acceptable parameters something or something like, like that. that. Yeah, and something so, they lifted out of a Star Trek episode. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things like yeah, I know I killed civilians, but it was all part of it was part of my mission. She flips it on him. I feel like they could have done that a lot earlier and probably built built the up message. to that moment. Yeah, to where she's so. I mean this resistance leader who is going to use nukes against America to prove that, to try to show them, this is what you're doing over here. This is what you're, you're killing our families and our children and blah, blah, blah. It's a bit of a, I mean, I get it, uh, but you're right. It it doesn't quite hit home because it kind of comes out of left field. Yeah. And it's a bit, (laughs) talk about escalation. Jesus. (laughs) Well, it's, it's another one of those things where she's also a psychopath, right? Because she's perhaps she also could have just been leader. pushed to a uh, to a certain point. You know, what well, I mean? but that's what I'm saying. Like, she's willing. She's openly willing to help a robot, an android detonate nuclear weapons on American soil. Like she's like, it's just one of those things where she's also a psychopath. Uh, I feel like everyone in this movie is a psychopath. Probably. I don't. The only person that isn't is probably Colonel Eckert. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So, um. She's an extremist. Victor is an extremist. I mean, he wants to nuke America, so he's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's he's your <laughs> he's your, classic. your paint by numbers bad yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. I, how many times have we had a for like uh, a former Russian military intelligence villain in movies, books, television, games, what have you? Like, I I don't know who else is left. You know, if we can go we, off on a little we, bit have of a we side bled rail. the Russians and the Germans dry? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> Well, uh, I have a big problem with some movie tropes and cliches. And one of them is twigs snapping in a forest to let me know that someone else is in the, the woods with me. But I, I don't know who else is left to be a villain well, anymore. I don't know. Is it? Is yeah. it? I don't know. Well, we've talked. I, we haven't talked about it on pod. Honestly, uh, other Americans. But <laughs> that's a whole other. Well, we that's had a that. whole other conversation. Yeah, we, we already have. We have not that as much. In, well, we have that in now. It's just in superhero movies where the heroes have to fight the government as well. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, well, you had what is a Black Panther, mm-hmm. where the hero is well the leader of a foreign nation in Africa, and the bad guy is an American citizen, mm-hmm. a, a former soldier, military member of some kind, if I recall correctly. Yes. Yeah. You have other, and, they, and then they fight corporations. You know, there's all of that, but yeah, 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 yeah. But no, if you're talking about, I was thinking more particularly terrorist leaders. Well, I think part of that is where funding for movies has changed in the past 15 years, probably more than that, probably the past 20, where like Red Dawn, the new Red Dawn is like a famous example of right. how 
almost I, I want to say mid-production they had to kind of change the plot a little bit because they didn't want to anger part of the or part of their investors you know a lot of these big budget action movies are being funded now by chinese movie companies or movie production studios they don't want to be they don't want to be the bad guys right right Who wants to right. do that well and there's something to be said where all of your movies feature bad guy terrorist organizations and they're all foreigners yeah all people who don't look like you right yeah. and it's a little it just feeds the xenophobia you know it's just, it's just kind of it yeah i get, no, it. I get it i get it i, get exactly and I, I would say here. that well, you're 100 percent correct right you're 100 percent correct but even if you weren't correct about where the funding and money is coming from for movies i still think it would be a bad idea to just continuously have these foreign agents try to overthrow America, blah, blah, blah. I think it's, yeah, it's not as bad. It's look, man, there are a lot of twigs in the woods, you know, (laughs) that's kind of what the woods are known for. Right after the trees, there's the leaves and the twigs in the the ground. Okay. But look, if you step on a twig, if you step on a twig in the forest, you had to have stepped on another twig at some other point. (laughs) They're trying real hard not to step on those twigs, man. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. How big does a twig need to be for me to be able to hear it snap 40 yards away? I just want to know. I don't think that's 40, 40 yards. All right, look, man, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> no, no, no. So I just uh, I just wonder at some point where, when we're going to stop using. Well, I mean, I even say that. I mean, the Cold War has been over for, what, 40 years? And we're still using. 40? Yeah, the 80s, right? It's been 30 years since the Cold War ended, yeah. I thought it ended 32. in the 80s. Well, the, the, if we're going to use the typical. You know, the fall of the Berlin Wall is the end of the Cold War. That happened in 89, right? Late 89? 1991. Did it happen in in 89? No, no, no. No, I'm sorry. The Wikipedia article has end date 1991. Oh, well, that's 20 years. No, 30 years. Exactly 30 (laughs) years. I totally just skipped the the aughts, I think. (laughs) Right. Right. And by the time this movie comes out, that's another 15 years in the future. So it's been 45 years since the end of the Cold War by the time this movie is is taking place. You, do you think that if they kept the plot mostly the same, move the political messaging up in the, the runtime, and instead of using nukes, use some other attack? Like, they weren't attacking New York or Washington, D.C., but they were attacking Americans with some other means. Nuclear attack is so... It just it hasn't happened in a long time. Well, it's not a fantasy, but it's almost fantastical, if that makes sense. Like, it's something yeah. that we can't even fathom. Which is kind of why everyone, that's why everyone uses it, because it's like, wow, that would cause all this destruction, but you can't. The problem is that it's so unfathomable that you kind of become disconnected to it. You kind of lose your messaging when it's a nuclear attack on a major city. But what if it had been a biological attack on just U.S. bases in Europe or (laughs) what have you? I don't know. The big problem with biological attacks is I think it's a little too topical at this point, which is, I think almost the reason, like I I read a rumor and I don't know how true it is. Whenever the movie actually comes out, I don't, I don't want this to be thrown in my face, but um, there's a big, there's a big theory that the reason why the newest bond movie hasn't been released is because it does involve a biological attack. I think that makes it even, well, there's, I mean, there's tasteful ways of doing it in the middle yeah. of, well, it's type of pandemic. I think the reason why people use nuclear weapons is because it's, it's so prevalent in media outside of movies, not even necessarily outside of movies, but like strictly in the action move or action genre, whether that be a video game or a television series or a movie, it's such an easy way for you to pay attention, right? Like, oh, it's going to be Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is yeah. because it's kind of a trope itself, it detracts 
in sure. this movie. It detracts from the messaging. That's yeah. all I was trying to say. I mean, I just gave out biological as a as an example sure. off the top of my head. Yeah. It could be anything. I mean, it, it, could, it could have just been be conventional attacks. It could have, you know, it could have been a cybersecurity attack where they compromise, you know, all of America's personal information, right? Something, yeah, yeah. Or, or I don't or think they, that would have been quite the same. But you're right. They could have. There's lots of things they could have. They done. attack the financial institutions, or you know, they disable air travel because they take down all the the whatever those things are called. The they towers. Down, they just hit GPS satellite. Who knows? Yeah, right? they could have done anything, and it could have been anywhere. It could have. It could have been made up a stand. It didn't have to be the Ukraine, right? But I think they just wanted to. They wanted him, them fighting other white people. I think is sure. where that comes yeah. down. Yeah, it'd be what it be. We can't change it. But I think we've tangented enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was going to say I don't think we're. I don't think we're doing that thing where we're trying to justify how the movie was made or justify the plot. No, I think no, as I don't it think exists so. as a movie. I, I think we're doing this fifty minutes in. We should have done this at the beginning. But as this movie exists in the genre. I think the four, the five point four is probably accurate. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it rises above its circumstances. I don't think it's anything more than mediocre. The acting's good, not great. The sets are good, not great. The effects are pretty good, not great. I think it falls exactly where it does. Five point four. I wouldn't disagree with anybody who thinks it's better. I wouldn't disagree with anyone who thinks it's worse. Yeah, same. Is it worth the price of subscription? If you want a popcorn action flick, sure. Yeah. You yeah, could if, do way, way worse. Yeah. If you watched Elysium and you were like, man, I wish there were more robots. Or I'm sorry. I wish there were less robots <laughs> and more people. <laughs> uh, this one's okay. All right. Well, speaking of the robots, how did you feel about their design? Oh, I enjoyed them quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. They were yeah. definitely... They were unique enough while still being kind of humanoid. I liked it. Yeah. The different kinds of gumps or robots they had it was it was nice. Yeah, I appreciated that they were wearing armor, <laughs> like they were yeah. wearing body armor, even though they're robots. And uh, I, I enjoyed their head just being like that little, the little thing that allows you into Jabba the Hutt's palace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That little thing, that's their camera, that's their little eye. I thought that was pretty neat. It says that like, I hope they, they're not preempted because I guess I, they have to follow some sort of law of robotics, right? I think they just follow orders. Them. I mean, they're very, very basic machines. Yeah, no, but like... In the future, or in future like stories, usually the justification for having robotic slaves is they follow a few laws. I, I robot being a great example, but they do say preempt a lot, and so I wonder. Like for me, it's just a question of I want to know the backstory of what that like how they're supposed to work. Because even sure. Leo himself says it: I have to follow a human's orders unless that human has exhibited all this pattern of behavior. So, right. but he's, he's crazy advanced because he's an Android. So I just wonder what the other ones do. That's all like that's a, yeah. cause we have the, what were the, the, the guardians in code eight. We don't know anything really about them. Right. Right. So I don't know. This is yeah. pretty neat. I, yeah. I like their design. I gotcha. I, they weren't going to go too deep into that because then they're just an iRobot territory, but yeah, sure. That just brings us to a few questions. Okay. What questions you got? My first question for you, Anthony, is who is Kelsey Grammer? Kelsey Grammer is Harp's girlfriend. No, I've done that joke already. I've done that joke already. He just pulls out a picture of his girlfriend and it's Kelsey Grammer. In all seriousness, I think you could replace Emily Beecham's character and have him be the resistance leader. I was going to say that. I was going to say have him be the resistance leader. Part of me thinks that the most generic, the most generic role he could have would be Colonel Eckert. 
but you don't replace Michael Kelly. You let Michael Kelly do Michael Kelly. He's good. But yeah, I think the resistance leader, which I, you know, I think he could do a good job of it. I would have also appreciated him as Koval. And, and yeah. not, not just because he's a he's played a villain most recently, so we've seen him as. But I think it's not really believable for me that this guy, Victor Koval, played by Palu Espec, who is 39. I'm sorry, he's 38. He'll be 39 in March. This guy who would not have been born. No, no, no. He was nine years old when the Cold War ended. So sure, he didn't belong to any sort of Soviet like military. He's just, so he's a Russian asset, right? Right. He's not Soviet. Yeah, he's too young. So for that. Kelsey Grammer could have been Victor Koval, like oh, like he's an older. actual USSR. Yeah. So he's older. He was Soviet, and then this guy is like his direct report, like his sure, sure, whoever. And even then, uh, Kelsey Grammer didn't have to like necessarily be in the movie. He could have been in a couple flashbacks, and as it turns out, like he's actually dead, and this guy's been posing as him the whole time who knows i'm just saying it's hard for me to why believe are you adding guy. a third act to this movie i'm just saying it's hard for me to believe that this guy who's 38 is this crazy russian nationalist who just happens to know where all these former soviet uh missile silos are i'm just saying it's a little hard for me to believe i mean yeah it was it's so hard to believe that they hit a n- <laughs> nuclear missile silo inside of a nuclear plant just on the other side of the border uh, do you yeah. have an idiot of the movie I, I would be remiss if I didn't call Lieutenant Hart idiot of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> after I went off at the beginning of this podcast. For all of those reasons. He definitely is the idiot of the movie. Because had he not done that, he never would have been involved with any of this, right? So, And arguably, Captain Leo's plan might not have gotten as far as it did. Right, yeah. I think uh, Captain Leo earns himself a second place vote for idiot of the movie. Oh? You know. Just second place vote. You're not saying he's the idiot of the movie, though. You're saying his principal programmer is the idiot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, his uh, QA lead uh, yeah. is the idiot of the movie. <laughs> Imagine being that guy, like the, head, the QA like, manager for the Leo project. Like, he's like, oh, you know, like, it, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to, like, MIT, right? I'm just going to use some crazy school that's. This like, is DARPA, right? It'd be DARPA. Yeah. Yeah, right. But but some guy like now he was on this program and now he's no longer on the program and he's just like a professor or somewhere and uh, <laughs> like a bunch of suits show up and start asking him questions about his programming and he's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? And then they explain everything like, dang, it's gotta yep. be a sitch. Yeah, that's that to me is that's a conversation <laughs> I would love. That's the to, uh, that's the third act that we need. That should have been the after credit scene. It's just the QA lead getting I grilled got about how his how he didn't catch any of this in testing. It. That's Kelsey Grammer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got someone who is named as Reggie in the not even in the credits. Bobby Lockwood? He's in the cast on Wikipedia. Okay. I assume that me like he's the sergeant, the Marine sergeant who's out there. Oh, perhaps. I don't know, but he looks kind of young. I don't, I don't know who this guy is. I'm going to find him, but I've been staring at his name for a few minutes. I've been trying to figure out who he is. Sure. Bobby Lockwood. I don't see him on IMDb. Oh, there he is. Bobby Lockwood. Reggie. Yeah. I don't know who that guy is. Huh? Hmm. I don't know. He was in 101 Dalmatians 2, Patch's oh London gosh. Adventure. Oh, so. no. All right. Well, <laughs> I hope y'all have enjoyed the B-roll podcast. I know I have up until the last 30 seconds or so. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please give us a thumbs up, a follow, a heart, 
that five-star review on iTunes, whatever it is on your podcasting platform of choice to show your support and to get notified when we release new episodes every, every week. If you want to give us suggestions on other things to watch or just give us your opinions on things we've already watched and and just affirm how I'm always right and Chris is always wrong, you can email mm. us at scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at B underscore role podcast. And I believe we're on Instagram at scifiwiseguys as well. If you don't want to email us and you don't know what those other two things are that I just, just mentioned, we do have a Facebook group, the B-Roll podcast group. Uh, which is a place for you to get little notifications when we release new things, interact with us a little bit if you like, and not a place to post your own homemade B-roll footage. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. Stop doing Stop it. Stop posting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If you really, really liked what you heard and you want to throw some of your hard-earned cash our way, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash B underscore roll. Uh, we do post behind the scenes snippets, extended scenes, things that get cut for all sorts of reasons. Uh, whenever we have that that extra footage, we throw it there. You can also get the episodes early. Uh, so we appreciate it. Really, the, the best way of supporting the podcast is just by sharing us with your friends. And your enemies. And sharing us with your enemies. Thank you. So everyone <laughs> deserves to listen to us. Like Anthony said, we just want to say thanks again for listening. We just want everyone to stay healthy, stay hydrated, and know that you are loved by the hosts and community of these podcasts. Bye. Thanks, guys. Oh, a side note, speaking of plot holes, I have actually figured out the biggest plot hole in the movie Die Hard. That's You ready? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, let's let's take uh, let's take the time to talk about Die Hard. There's not a, a 24-hour technician in the server room. This was the 80s. All right.